Hey, welcome to Joseph's Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Perez. Welcome, listener. Hope the uh, big old hey didn't scare you there. I want to welcome you to our podcast today. This is your host, Joseph. We have a special treat. This is something that we will be continuing to do over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to have one guest a week, surprise guest. This week's guest, no surprise, uh, he is a young missionary. This young man is probably one of the um, most well-dressed young men that I know. But he doesn't just dress well. He's a great preacher. He is a devoted young man, devoted to the mission work and uh, helping there in Ensenada, Mexico. He is bilingual. Uh, He has many talents, many gifts. And uh, I'm excited to have him here with us today. Brother Ben Rodriguez. Praise the Lord, bro. Hey, man, how you doing? How's it going? It's going really good. It's going really good. You get you get settled in there? I did. I got I got a coffee here. And, uh, does everything sound good? Sounds sounds good on my side. Sound good on your side? It does. Sounds good. Sounds perfect. It, at first, it showed me trouble reconnecting, um, so I was nervous. So I just unplugged from the Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, hopefully the not being on the Wi-Fi will help us. So this is, we, we've been, for the listener's sake, we've been having trouble connecting here, but that's okay. It's part of it. Um, but we're back. <laughs> yeah, we're back with the vengeance. Okay, well, praise the Lord, Brother Joe. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> praise God, Brother Ben. It's so good to have you uh, for the fourth time on this podcast Amen. today. <laughs> a repeat customer yes hey well no nah, bro look um we've already talked we've already discussed but um we're we are now live on our podcast welcome welcome yeah. to joseph's podcast i been looking forward to this all week and i'm excited man me too me too i'm excited honored to be here uh on so- your podcast really am well, I have a, a bunch of questions, and we have we have questions that were brought in from. I, I put a, a little story with a with a hey, send in your questions, and and I got some questions here that that some of our listeners are wanting to to ask you, and and I have some questions on my own. But let's just start with the most generic question for those that don't know anything about Ben Rodriguez, who he is, where he's from, how old he is. What's his favorite color? Is he single? Or is he married? You know, so just tell us a little bit about yourself, bro. And that's a lot of uh, deep questions. There. <laughs> well, my name is Ben Rodriguez. Um, I'm, I'm 21. Uh, I'm based out of um, Sacramento is what I consider home. Um, my dad was in the military for many years. So home is kind of, I was not born in Sacramento. I was born in San Diego, but I moved um, for three-year periods all my whole life. So Sacramento's um, 
I've been there for nine years. It's the longest I've been anywhere. So uh, Sa- Sacramento is that you're from the Rock Church with Pastor Miles Young and um, Bishop Nathaniel Wilson, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. That's that's home. That's where the longest I've been from eleven on to uh, nineteen. Um, is where, and that's the formative years of my life, spiritual formation. I mean, everything is, um, that's, that's where I got formed. Bro, let me just ask you, is it, is because, you know, from the outside looking in, I'm like, man, that, that's gotta be the greatest advantage ministerially <laughs> to sit under Bishop Wilson and then Pastor Miles Young and all the high caliber. I mean, is it, is it as, is it as advantageous as we think it is? You know, I will say it is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. I am blessed, you know what I mean, to be considered those men my leaders. You know what I mean? I, um, not, not only that, we have Bishop Young. I mean, just oh, yes. people there. I mean, it's just, it's a stacked team. <laughs> who, who, by the way, I must add, is a relative of mine. Bishop, Bishop Young. Bishop Young is, is kin Come on, uh, by marriage. Yeah. Okay. Man. So, you Come know. On, man. I, I got. I have to throw that in there, bro. Hey, I have to, hey, yeah. You know, it, it, when when you when you have any kind of relation to any kind of person that is great, yeah. you always want to just be like, yeah, you know, we're we're. You don't really want to act like your best friends, but you 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 want to yeah. let people know you're connected. It's like <laughs> I I actually have like two percent or three percent Japanese in me. I yes. Do. And I claim yes. that I love ramen. I love sushi. <laughs> um, praise God. <laughs> but yeah, so Bishop Young, bro, that he is he is um Christian, a jewel so wise. A jewel to the kingdom. And uh and he 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 is the real deal and has so much um knowledge and wisdom and, and has impacted our 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 ministry in so many ways and uh, how incredible bro. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it, incredibly blessed to be under that leadership, and like you said, is it advantageous as people might think? Um, I would say is um, yes and no because um, these are people that are going to put stuff in the. I've learned so much from being in them, but they're also people that are going to make sure that you um, that you're that you're producing just as much as you're receiving. And if you're you're called to ministry, they 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 make you act it out. Um, they don't give any opportunities or positions, and I'm sure like most. Um, like most churches, they let your fruit speak for yourself. So that God mm-hmm. opens up the doors, um, and um, they require a lot. <laughs> it, it requires a lot to be um, to be up to that, and you know. Uh, but nothing but a blessing to be under them. I'm blessed. I'm spoiled. You know, what I mean, that's uh, awesome. I, I Absolutely. People, people were uh, you know asking about courses and things like that, and I'd get it when Bishop would go up there and preach on a Sunday morning every single mm-hmm. Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I have always said that sitting under uh, our bishop, Bishop Billy McCool, is it's been like being at a Bible college. Yeah. Um, the teaching and the preaching. He'll get up on any Wednesday night and preach to to um, a a church full of people, and you would have thought you just sat through a preacher's conference. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. Y'all, y'all are blessed as well, man. I mean, look, people like Brother Whitley. Uh, Brother McCool and his son, the, the people that you have coming through. I mean, um, yourself. I mean, you guys have a phenomenal ministry team there at Knoxville. I've been spying secrets. My- <laughs> well, we're blessed, man. We, ha- we we truly have some great leaders. And um, But this is not about me, man. This is about you. <laughs> we we, we want to hear from missionary 
Ben Rodriguez. So how old are you, Ben? I'm 21 years old. 21 years old, and you are an active missionary. Yes, sir. That's awesome, man. How, how old were you when you felt that, that God called you, just in general? I mean, not necessarily to the mission field. I want to touch on that later, but how old were you when you, when you first felt the call of God or heard the call of God? Wow. You know, I, I've had lots of people ask me that question. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I really don't think that there's a moment. I can, there's plenty of moments, you know, probably like moments that have just been um, just moments that rocked my world. You know, in an altar, God spoke to me. God gave me direction on my calling. But, you know, as far as I can remember going back in my life, I have just always remembered the yearning and the call of God just always being a part of me. There's, there's not really a moment that I can pin back. I just always remember being there. Um, I just knew it. I just felt it um, from five to six years old. Um, I mean, I've always um, told my mama I wanted to be a, a man of God, a preacher. She told me she'd find little drawings that I leave around the house of me drawing stick figures at four, four to six years old of me pointing myself and me preaching or me standing behind a pulpit or me holding a Bible and um, and later, you know, God really began. There's been definitely defining moments in my life spiritually mm-hmm. that, I, that God God clarified that call. God gave me clarity. But I just I always remember feeling that yearning and that calling. That's that's pretty cool, man. And so you've always pursued that or not always. You just always had that call. And then how old were you when you decided, hey, I'm going to pursue this this inclination towards ministry? Yeah, so I had um around I think I was eight years old or nine years old. I remember um we were living in Germany at the time. Uh, my dad was in the military. Um, my parents were um, involved and started a church in our home with some minister or not ministers but soldiers there that were um, apostolic. Um, and there was no church in the city, and we started uh, started to work there. I remember um I had some family members who came over. One of my cousins was you know. Pr- um, preaching at his church was around my age and yeah they came and they had us do a bible study at home and um i remember sitting down and studying for that bible study <laughs> um you know I taught about david and goliath praise god <laughs> how, how old were you how old were you when this this happened i was nine years old was so nine you were old. nine years old when you taught your first bible study yeah i was nine years old and i remember doing it i i, I Looking back, I'm, I'm sure it was nothing very much to glean off of, but <laughs> I remember, I, I really do remember um, from that moment on, there was something, and I said, you know what, this is attainable, this is this is what God wants me to do, and from then on, that later that year, I ended up for a sermon, um, started preaching there, you know, at the church, when they would give me little opportunities, um, and um, yeah, so um, that was kind of the moment, I think, that um that specific side of ministry began. And then when I came back and I moved to Sacramento, um, a whole different form of ministry developed and it was not just um, pulpit oriented because there wasn't that opportunities being, and I'm sure you're aware of being a part of a, a very large church. Um, there's a lot to do, but those type of opportunities aren't just given willy nilly. Um, like sometimes, Absolutely. you know, at a smaller work, it's all hands on deck, you know, the same person that's greeting as a person that's teaching Sunday school. Yep. They're going to be doing analysis. They're going to be counting the offering. They'll preach a little bit. <laughs> They're doing everything. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, you know, 
it, it's first of all, there's a couple of things here that I want to try to get into because to me, I'm, I'm still stuck on you were nine years old when you taught your first Bible study. There are probably some young men right now, if they were being honest with themselves, that are anywhere between 18 to 21 and they've yet to teach a Bible study. Yeah. I mean, that that right there, I think, is one of our greatest needs in, in ministry for young people. Any young person seeking um, or aspiring ministry, I, there's, there's a group of young men that I disciple and I invest in. I, um, I put effort into investing into these young men. And the first thing that I, that I teach them is go teach a Bible study. Yeah. If you don't know how to teach a Bible study, learn how to teach a Bible study. But the very first thing we have to get down if we're going to be in ministry is Bible study teaching. Yeah. There was a quote that really impacted me, and it's in, it, it shaped my ministry. It shook me. It was a quote from Brother Billy Cole, and he said, if a young man ever gets a pulpit before he uh, gets a soul, that he'll always – and I might be botching this quote, but he said he'll always be searching for a pulpit and not a soul. Mm. And, and to me, that shook me because I came from this place where I was having a lot of opportunities. I came here to the Rock Church, and uh, my pastor recognized. He knew that I was called ever since I was a kid. I remember when I came back. Um, you know, it was just, I always knew I was going to be a preacher. I always knew it was going to happen. I mean, my whole life, it's been my, my desire besides from the, you know, the, the quick little moments, in, you know, when I was a kid, when I said I was going to be in the military, be a police officer, you know, things like that. It's just something I always, you know, wanted to be. And I remember when I got there, um, I had people pray and pray over my life and prophesy over me and all these things. And I, and I thought I knew what my ministry was going to look like. And I, I guess it really kind of goes over to how God had a different idea seeing the position that I'm at now. But I remember meeting with my pastor and I said, pastor, you know, I feel called, you know, to pray just, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to develop this. And my pastor told me, Ben, have you been, have you, have you taught Bible studies before? Have, mm. Are you teaching Bible studies? And I was at this time, 14, 15. Um, I was put into a youth group of over, you know, like 150 young kids, um, huge change. You know what I mean? I was going through adolescence, you know, everything, puberty was just a big, you know, insecurities, all these things was, you know, new environment. You know, I was a new kid at the church, all this stuff. And I just, but I heavily felt this call of God. And um, I told my pastor, I said, he said, well, I want you to go do this. So there's something that dawned on me that shook me because when I heard that quote from Billy Cole, I knew that my love for souls was not adequate for the calling that I felt on my life. Mm. I knew, I knew love for souls was right. I knew it. I believed it. I heard it preach. I knew we had to love souls, but I knew if I was honest with myself, I didn't love souls like I was supposed to, if I was going to fulfill the role that God had called me to. And I prayed, I, I prayed and I said, God, give me a love for soul. That's, I really prayed that I said, God, I want you to give me a burden for souls. I want to see a lost soul and I want to be burdened with it. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be able to be okay seeing someone and have it not break me. I, I don't want to be okay not not crying about a lost soul. And I remember I was in my high school class and I was not preaching out. I was, I was none of this. And I was praying, you know, every morning, every day, God lead me. God give me a love for souls. And it, and it struck me. And this really ended up to the road that I really believe um, obedience, submission to the man of God. Um, in your life, trusting what God put in your life. And I remember I was sitting in a typing class 
and I was listening to a sermon that I recommend anyone who want pursuing ministry. I, I think beyond that, if you're not called to be a preacher, if you're whatever, whatever role, I believe everyone is called to be a Bible study teacher. I don't care what position you are in in your church. Um, I don't care if you never get behind a pulpit. I believe everyone is called to disciple and to teach Bible studies and to lead them in, into understanding Christ and, and to, to discipleship. Amen. And, um, I remember I was sitting in my, it, this, I was listening to a sermon by Brother Cody Marks teaching. Uh, this title was, I want to be a soul winner. It shook me. I was, I was crying. He tells a testimony that's, it, it, it is, it is incredible. It will break you. And I was sitting there in my class and all of a sudden, wham, the power of God just whacked me. It really did. And I started bawling in my, in my typing class in my first period. And it was in that moment I knew God, God gave me a love for souls. And I remember I, God spoke to me and he said, if you don't win your classmates, if you don't win this school, no one else is going to. Mm. I, was in a, I was in a school where I already had 14 other apostolic kids um, and over 2,500 people um, in my high school. You know, maybe three thousand. What, what, what grade is this, and, and how old are you? Because I'm trying to. I, I was wanna, a sophomore want, at this time. Sophomore, so tenth grade, and you're feeling the call of God, and you're feeling this burden, and and you made a statement that is just it's so fitting because you're you're a missionary, and so your whole ministry is contingent upon souls, right? Uh, it, it's not contingent upon your resources, not contingent upon. You know uh, how great your ministry develops. It's, it's about how many souls are where you are and how many souls you've won and developed in that mission field. And you said that your love for souls was not adequate for the calling. Yeah. And and so you're in tenth grade and you're feeling all of this. Yeah. Can you expound on that just a little bit? Yeah, I mean. I, I, I think in hindsight, really looking back, God, and I think this just speaks to the development that God puts us through processes um, for things later on in life and the contingency of how we respond to the moments that we consider not important, the, the things that we consider, man, this is, what is this? Um, God's telling me to teach Bible studies and, you know, um, on my high school campus. This has, it had nothing to do with my mind of, of the dreams of preaching to thousands of me, evangelizing or whatever I thought I, I was um, asking God, um, to do in my life. And I remember like God spoke to me. I started looking at my friends and I was bawling, crying. My friends next to me is like, Hey Ben, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm crying, you know, in my class. And I, because God spoke to me and it was from that moment on, I said, I'm going to start teaching Bible studies on my high school campus. I mean, this is a whole, it's a, it's a bur. I have a burden for high school. Um, and and I, I think I, like you said, I just, I have a burden for souls. It doesn't, I don't, I don't care what color they are. I don't care what language they speak. I don't care where that you are in life. And I think the just souls, souls, souls. That's we we are. I mean, what moved Jesus? Jesus was moved upon the masses because they were sheep without a shepherd. And I think if that's the heartbeat of God, that needs to be our heartbeat as well. Seeing souls that are without protection from the wolves that are ravishing them and destroying them, deprived them, depression, anxiety all these things. And we have to be moved. That's Jesus's. That's what moved Jesus. If it doesn't move me, there's a problem, mm. especially if I'm trying to enter some site, some type of under shepherd um, ship. If I'm not moved by sheep without a shepherd, what are my motives? Because that's motives good. Matter. 
you know, and I think that's the primary thing that as young ministers, we have to really evaluate, why am I desiring ministry? What are my motives? And God, I think God checked my motives at a young age because my motives were seeing what the evangelists fly in and out of town, preach and, uh, you know, the power of God moving in. And I don't think it was completely malice or, um, you know, that I was desiring, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. For those things that wasn't birthed out of a bad place, but my motives were out of kilter with the will of God. And I think anybody I tell I tell this when people ask me, I, give me someone who loves souls over someone who even thinks that they know what they're doing, who knows the plan. Because my thing is, God could tell me tomorrow that I'm no longer supposed to be in Mexico. I need to be in New Zealand. I need to be in Zimbabwe, you know, Rwanda. But if a love for souls will allow me to be flexible, because if I love souls, I don't care what they look like. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care about none of that. Just just give me an empty vessel that the power of God can flow in. And that was really what God really began to birth in me. And I mean, we started from eight people in my high school. And I mean, it it challenged me. I had to sit. And I, I mean, when I tell you, man, that in my in my high school class of this Bible study, you know, that I had Mormons, I had atheists, I had Jehovah's Witness, I had Baptists, I had uh, people that considered themselves, you know, Pentecostal, but they were they did not believe in oneness. They did not believe in spirit and filling. Uh, but they did believe in this moving of the spirit. And I remember, man, standing up in the middle of my geometry class, that whole entire circle was around me. And I remember I felt God tell me it was time to teach about salvation. I stood there and I, I started laying out the plan of salvation. And it was like World War III in that geometry class. And my, um, my teacher of that class that was sponsoring was a Mormon. <laughs> and, um, they were like, are you saying, and I remember this is what it, it prepared me, everything. I, I, I don't separate what God was doing in my high school to what God is doing now on the mission field. I, they're, they're intertwined. I remember one of those kids said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ben. He said, are you saying baptism saves us? Man, you could have heard my heart beating like a war drum. It was like boom, 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 boom. Because it was, now it was everything that I was saying I believed and heard preach and I wanted to preach was being tested by reality. And I wow. said, well, Kyle, um, Yes. And my voice is shaking. I was shaking. I probably was shaking like a leaf. I said, yes, that's what I'm saying. And, um, and he said, well, I don't believe that. And I said, well, Kyle, I, I'm, I said, um, do you have scripture for what you believe? And he Come said, on, uh, he said, no. I said, well, Kyle, I said, I do. And I may not have finished a year of Bible equipment, but I sure do remember some scriptures. And God helped me, and I and I laid scriptures out to him, and I told him, you know, Mark sixteen sixteen, you know, uh, I I laid that out for him, you know, I, those, and I began to work work this thing. Then he just he didn't say, I mean, it was World War Three at that point. Yeah, um, Jehovah's Witnesses like, yeah, it does save you, but you got to baptize, you know, dead people. I'm like, no, no, like I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, what I mean? it was just bad. But you know what? From eight to twenty to twenty five, to we had forty people on a consistent basis on my high school um, campus every single Thursday teaching people coming to church, people getting the Holy Ghost, people getting baptized. Even after I graduated, there was backsliding Pentecostal teachers um, on my campus that came up. I mean, it was just real wild things from there. And then this is, this is encouraging to hear. If there's any 10th grader right now that's listening, you better get your act together. <laughs> <laughs> because you God is calling to, us yeah. in the now. <laughs> hey, you, there's no excuse. 
there is absolutely, and I've always felt that way, but it's, you know, sometimes you, when you only have your experience to relate to, you're just like, well, maybe I'm, maybe uh, I'm different, but this is, this is encouraging because you were nine years old. You taught your first Bible study. You're in 10th grade. God's dealing with you about your call. Here you are at 21 and you're in the mission field. So, so if someone were to look at your life right now and they know nothing about you, they would assume, well, he just decided to go to, um, to Mexico and be a missionary overnight, but, yeah. but you did it because this all started when you were nine years old and, and you felt God dealing with you then and through, through the course of your young, um, teenage life, God continued to deal with you and you responded to that. And so now here you are a missionary so if, if there's a 10th grader out there um, or anybody younger, don't wait till you're 18, 19, 21 to, to, to decide, oh, well, I'm going to pursue ministry. I'm going to pursue the call. Yeah. And it's attainable. You know what I mean? And I do not equate myself in any way, but I see the principle in the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I no way. But you look at Moses. He met God on the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, privately. And the burning bush experience, you know, we all know that. But he had to have a moment where he worked through all these things, the insecurities, and he had to meet God in the solitude way before he could ever go back home to Goshen and lead people in front of the multitudes. And I remember studying that in scripture. And to me, we have to have an experience with God where nobody is seeing, you know, and I'm sure people, they man, why has God opened up the doors for so-and-so and why has this happened? Um, and God knows everything, and it's not our job to judge, to compare. And I, I think of uh, Brother Whitley's stuff. He puts uh, has a series of Dear Young Preacher, um, put that stuff out there, stuff is fire, content. Um, you know what I mean? But I think, you know what I mean? And that's why I think motives matter, you know, because it's why. Are you are you wanting the multitude? Or are you just truly trying to have a relationship and know Christ in the solitude? It doesn't matter if the multitude is seeing you. And I think God will obviously open up those doors because there's things that are proven. Moses had to work through all his insecurities in verses verses two through verses nine uh, in Exodus, where he said, God, they're not going to hearken to my voice because of my tongue and all these things. And he worked through all these things in the solitude. And I think that's the same type of, of, of a thing. And I think that's why we're called right now, you know, if a sophomore is if a junior is listening, if you have aspirations, I believe those aspirations are God given. I had, you know, I had the same aspirations to be used of God and how I thought, but it, 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 it definitely didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, you know, the progression of seeing how I thought, okay, I thought it was like a stepping stone and God had to rebuke me about that. Teaching Bible studies is not a stepping stone for you to get behind a pulpit. You mm, know? That's and so I, good. And I think I was like, God, I put my time in here at high school people have got baptized you know i mean calling my pastor you know after school and throughout the teaching bible studies and you know yes it put made me put things to test put things to work so i could truly study it out for myself Um, i mean i don't even know where i'd be if i wasn't teaching bible studies because it truly got it grounded in me but then it was like okay god now i'm ready for pulpit ministry and like i mentioned i thought at 18 god is just going to open up this door for these dreams that i've been seeing and the calls never came that way (laughs) You know, that's, you know, and, and here's because our subject today is obviously the mission field from the perspective of, of you, a young missionary. And it's, it's interesting because it didn't begin at some conference somewhere. 
And that's where that's where I think the assumption is as well. If I'm ever gonna be called to a mission field, I'll be at some youth conference or some minister conference and God will put a a, a country in my heart and then I'll go. And from what I'm hearing, it sounds like God put souls in your heart before he ever put a country Absolutely. or a city. And then from that development of loving souls and seeking souls, God just opened doors to to be where you are today. And let's talk about that. Why, yeah. why Ensenada, Mexico? That is where you're currently uh, an active missionary with your family, with your father and 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 your mother and your brother. Um, why Ensenada? Well, you know, Ensenada is our headquartered church that we have down here. And God's been, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to all the things that God has been doing. But um, the connection with that is my grandfather came here to be a missionary in 1984. Um, he's been down here. Um, he was down here. He passed away this last year, all that time working. Um, um, and my father uh, raised in the church. My, my grandfather won um, my mother's family to God. Um, they came in um, for disciple. Uh, my parents grew up in the church that they're actually now pastoring, got married there. Uh, my dad joined the military, left, um, and God has always had his heart to go down there, um, you know, moving, helping in and out for years. And then um, he went three years ago to take over the pastorship. My grandfather felt like it was time for him to retire. And um, so that's kind of how my father went down there after he retired from the mill, you know, went down there. He, that's where he's been. And, um, he was there first. I had stayed, I was working a job at this time and, um, he ended up asking me to come later. Um, and, um, I guess my call, like you said, came a little differently. It wasn't at a, uh, at a church service or a conference. Um, it was, um, at a coffee shop with my pastor, you know, <laughs> hmm. And, and you had explained to me a little bit about how that conversation went down, but um, what what was the, uh, I, I guess, because I don't want to spoil it here for the listeners, but it, it, talk to us about how that conversation developed. Yeah, my dad was down there for a year already with, you know, working with my mother and my younger brother and, the, you know, they were down there and I was up here working and looking i guess for um that next door i had a good job um, doing things that i liked i was making custom suits um, doing sales meeting cool people having fun uh you know it was um it was an awesome awesome thing and you know it just it was just easy you know i mean it was, i could you know i was involved in church doing things but i was just waiting for that door of opportunity because i thought my ministry was next to the pulpit next to preach conferences and do all these things and was just waiting patiently for that door to open. And my dad came back one day to visit us and he sat us down. He said, you know, I want you to come help me and come to Mexico. And I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm not going. <laughs> you know, I didn't pray about it. I just said, dad, I'm not going. And he was like, well, I want you to pray about it. I said, dad, you know, because in my mind, I knew what God wanted to use me for, you know, <laughs> I knew yeah. it was for other purposes. It was for, it was for other things. And I said, I'll meet with pastor. I said, but um, if pastor wants to meet with me, I'll meet with him. I said, but I, I don't think that's what God wants for me. <laughs> and uh, I remember my pastor three days later, um, he calls me to a coffee shop. I go and we start talking. And he said, well, Ben, 
He said, you know, we've talked about the call of God in your life for years now, what God wants you to do. He said, and I believe this is the open door that God is wanting to do with use in your life. And he said, um, I think this is the now moment. It's time to jump into the deep. There's unknowns. Um, but you know what? If you go in, you know, I believe that God is going to help you. Um, and either you go now and you jump in or you don't go. You stay here. Um, you stay working at the job. You make over six figures. You get a family. You plug in. You help me build this church. And I don't want you ever questioning if you're supposed to be in ministry again. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, you know, and I said, well, no, pastor, of course, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go into ministry. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? And, um, it just trusting his, his foresight and, um, you know, and what he's seen. And, um, he said, okay, put your two weeks in tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> there you, know, you go. You know, it, it, it shook me. It really did. I'm like tomorrow, tomorrow. Like this was a Sunday. I'm like, tomorrow's Monday. He's like, yeah, I want you to go do it tomorrow. And I mean, I put my two weeks in i went out um and and i and i about two three weeks later i hit um i was in mexico <laughs> mm. that's um and you know it, it's to me that style of ministry uh first of all obviously your pastor saw the call of god in your life otherwise he would not have approached you that way and um and then secondly um, it's so true. If if you're gonna be about it, you know, you, you have to you have to act. And there are moments in in ministry as a young minister that time obviously plays a factor. But when the opportunity present avails itself, I, I do believe it's it's one of those things you have to capitalize. Yeah. Um, if you're especially if your pastor's like, hey, this is it. This is it. This is the opportunity. Absolutely. And so I have a question here that is just, this is my, my question, but what's it like working alongside your dad in the mission field? It's a really cool dynamic. It really is. Um, I just kind of see how um, me and my dad are similar a lot of ways, but we're very different a lot of ways. Um, uh, my dad being in the military is strategic. Um, he, takes you know he is an authoritarian figure um he's not no dictator at all by any means but he definitely he uh got it's a gifting that the things that he's been in um and i just and i just see how um god works it together my dad he makes room for me he um trusts my opinion he trusts what i see he um you know we meet regularly regarding what we feel and what's the direction of what's going on in the church and it's a it's a unique thing because at first i was fearful to go down to Mexico, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm trying to start my own ministry, God. I, I'm not trying to go under, you know, be under my, you know, continuous go because I'm going with my daddy, you know, and that was my fear mm-hmm. and, at first. And I've seen how God just, it, when it's, when it's God, it's right, it works. I just have seen uh, how it just, we, it works hand in hand. And, you know, I just, I back my dad up. I go down there. There's, we definitely have different styles of how we go about things but god it's, it's definitely a god thing it's unique it's it's beautiful well i think it's an, it's a necessity um i have the privilege to to work alongside my father in ministry here in knoxville and I've, something i've always shared with people is that in, especially in spanish ministries spanish-speaking ministries and, and the the spanish-speaking people 
in any culture, I think it's difficult to look at a young man and, and, and see the authoritative figure that that young man is or to see the calling and ministry in that young man. They always want to see uh, somewhat of an elderly man leading yeah. them. It's difficult for them to be led by someone younger than them. And that's in any ministry. Paul said, let no man despise thy youth. Yeah. Right. But in, in the Spanish speaking ministries, there's an advantage when there is an elder. And in this case, it would be your father and it'd be my father that you can lean on to be that face. Right. Yes. And then they, you they are, want an authoritarian figure. It's just the way the Hispanic culture is at. They want something tested. I think that's a lot of why why Catholicism to them is so beloved. They want yes. security, and they're like they they see the root of what they believe is. I mean, it's holding to what they think is the real church, and they say, "Man, this is old. This is established." Yep. And the same thing they look at a an elderly man. Um, but I've also seen um, being down here the shock factor. They don't expect young people to live for God. Come on. So they're just like, "What you're you're living for God?" You that that's exactly right. And and the the what I was leading to is this: you being there with your father, there are two dynamics that are happening. Your father's reaching a generation which would be a generation even ahead of his time, the elderly, yeah. and you're reaching a generation that is kind of at a cross culture. Yeah, they don't they don't necessarily uh, connect with that elderly generation. Um, but at the same time, they're kind of trying to figure out where their connection is. And then someone like you comes in, you make it easy, right. For them to connect. So, well, yeah. here's, here's a young man that has, you know, uh, a life just like I have a life, but his priority is the kingdom of God so much so that he's, uh, he, he's our leader. Yeah, I, you know, I have, I have. I love it when I go down there to Mexico, right? And I go into a coffee shop. Uh, we got, I, I firmly believe for anyone listening, if you want to come in Sonata, I will take you on a coffee tour. We'll have <laughs> when I tell you coffee, Ensenada's got the coffee game, Ensenada has the coffee game. I'm, I'm not playing. I've, I'm, a, I'm a coffee snob anyway. Um, I go to coffee shops in the town and I'll pull out my Bible and it bugs people out. They're just like, they see my age. There's other young people there. They're mm. cool. They find out I'm from the States. And they're just like, the first of all, they think I'm crazy because I came back to Mexico. That's that. <laughs> they're like, what yeah. are you doing back here? <laughs> we're, we're trying to get there and you're coming back. And <laughs> Yeah, they're like, why did, why did you leave? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then they find out that I'm, that I'm reading my Bible instead of, and they're like, they just can't. And they, they know I'm not weird. You know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, a lot of there's they're like, man, I, I go to places and they know they always want to show off their English to other people. So I'll walk in and it really is, it, it helps me so much in witnessing because they'll be like, hey, Ben, how you doing? You know, in their English, they'll try to talk to you in English. Well, so then everyone's like, why do they always, you know, are yeah. up to this guy <laughs> who comes in? So people like they don't know who I am because they've never seen me before. But then everyone, you know, they're trying to, they act, I don't know, it's the dynamic. They act like I'm a somebody because they want to speak their English. Well, then it brings this attention. I mean, I don't know how many opportunities I've had to talk to people because they know that I'm here being a missionary. And they're like, they can't mm. believe it. They really can't. Yeah. And, you know, it is a, it's a, even here in the United States, um, we were talking about this earlier. 
Brother Allard preached in Momentum just recently. And he gave a statistic on how many young missionaries there are. And do you remember the number? I think it's under 30. Under 30 people. Mi- people. You know what? And I don't even think it's 30, man. I, I think it's less. I think it was in like the single digits. You know, if I I'm think, not mistaken, and yeah, we, we can go back and, and, and fact, you can go fact check this because you can get on the Rock website and go to the conference and listen to that message. I, I think uh, I actually I think it was seven to nine. I was just thinking I and, it was and under the age of 30. This was not just in one organization. This was across the board in all the movements, all yeah. the oneness movements. There were not very many under the age of 30 is what I remember hearing that are active missionaries in those respective countries. So to me, even in the United States, it's shocking when, when someone said to me, Hey, you know, Ben Rodriguez is a missionary. I'm like, what (laughs) suit Ben, the suit, the guy that always got, he has the nice suits that Ben Rodriguez. Yes. He's a missionary. And that that to me was was uh, admirable because what people don't understand is it's in, when Ben says, you know, I could have made six figures. He he's not lying. Um, he worked for one of the one of the premier um, custom suit uh, vendors in the United States. This guy, this company sells suits to professional athletes, celebrities. And uh, and I know that very well um, with his abilities and talents, he could have he could have been in a better off position financially. And so this is a sacrifice that 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 you have made, Ben. And uh, and there's not a lot of young people that can say that at this age that have made those sacrifices. And so it is um, it's inspiring, bro. It's very inspiring. Well, it's very humble, but you know what? I, I am tremendously blessed, you know, and I, in the moment, very scary, you know, said a lot of no to a lot of things that I wanted. Um, but you know what? I'm a blessed man and I really am. You know what I mean? I just, God is, God is good. God is good all the time. <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me ask you some, some more questions here. Cause we have some questions that, um, that, that we have, uh, I guess yeah. one, one of the things we, um, for the listener's sake, what is or what do you feel is your greatest advantage as a young missionary or disadvantage? <laughs> my greatest advantage and disadvantage. Well, and I'm I putting you my, on the spot because this is these are not questions that Ben was prepared to answer. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Other podcasts usually hit me with a little. Yeah. A little the, by the way, here are the questions. Not here. Yeah. This is well, a, I, we want the raw, uncut. Yeah. Well, I, I prefer rawness, um, you know, spontaneous. I'm all about being spontaneous. Um, well, I think the greatest advantage, I think right now in the stage of life that I am right now is the flexibility that God has given me and also the youthfulness um, that God has given me, um, I think. And maybe I'm, I'm, I'm very hard on my body, but I just love adventure, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Just being able to go back and forth and travel here and there to different parts of Mexico. I mean, the last last week or two, um, I was in in a period of like 
seven days or eight days, whatever it was. I was in three different states in Mexico, um, preaching, doing things, and God did tremendous things. Um, so I think that's a great advantage on 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 our, on our headquarter, a mother church. Um, I think my greatest advantage, my for my youth, is just the re- relevance um, with the young people in reaching our community. Our community has like seven hundred thousand people. It's 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 a huge city. Um, it's it's educated. We have colleges in town. Lots of people there that are very intelligent. Um, people that are wealthy there, and they are very educated. They're into college and all these things. And I think my advantage of going to school, being young person, having a pulse on the world and being knowledgeable and then also doing those things that's a huge advantage um and just witnessing soul um, all those things um and i think my disadvantage for being young i think sometimes i i I think like paul told timothy you know people are just ain't gonna take you seriously sometimes (laughs) You know, uh, regardless if, if, it, if it is or not, you know, they, they, they would like to despise you because of your youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's more so not um, the despising really doesn't come from the people I'm trying to reach. It comes from other people uh, in the church. Um, mm. So I guess sometimes that's, I guess, maybe a disadvantage. I don't consider disadvantage because I, I, I don't fight people's comparisons of me or their thoughts. You know, I, I can't compete with what people think of me. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to fulfill the task of what God is trying to put before me. That's and, such uh, a that's such a a good statement there. And I know you're not just making statements to make them, but obviously we're hearing we're hearing what's in the heart of of Ben Rodriguez. But we cannot compete with what people think of us. But you'll never do anything for God. How can you go about and do something for God? Because everyone's going to go ahead and nitpick what they think. But in the end of the day, if you're aligned with your ministry, you are submitted to the will of God. I mean, you're going to be attacked from whatever way, from the enemy, from people in the church. Um, but you know what? You cannot let people's op- – and it's one thing my father's always taught me. You cannot let people's opinions of you stop you and hinder you from the things of God because we'll never leave our house. We'll never mm-hmm. leave our bedroom. Because yeah. everyone's gonna think something. Well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? What what is what is this? But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we can have peace knowing that we are in alignment with the will of God, and we got to go ahead and do. Um, Jesus is coming soon, and I, I think I heard someone said this that Jesus is coming unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. We don't know when he's coming. No man knoweth now or nor the day, and we have to live like he could come back any moment. And we got we got the t- the the clock is ticking. I don't know how much time is on that clock, but it's ticking. Mm. And we got to go and we got, and we got to do something for God. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Ben, let me ask you another question here. What is the greatest need in your field? What's the greatest need in Ensenada right now? The greatest need that we have in Ensenada is spiritually minded laborers. Mm. We need people that they're willing to labor, but they are led by the spirit. They are spirit led and thank God, God is raising up people, but we do need people that have the ability to allow spiritual formation to take place. Cause I believe when someone allows spiritual formation to place you, if you're a follower, you become a leader because it's just, you're being led by the spirit. There's no place of the spiritual formation that can take place where there's no end. If you're submitted to the will of God and you're walking in it and you know the thing is we're trying to expand 
locally, we want to have, you know, different preaching points in the city up to five, um, you know, I mean, small groups and things like that. The churches that we're eventually trying to open up, we're looking for another building and we're looking for people that will go out and be a laborer. Um, you know, I mean, I think that's not only the need in Ensenada, I think that's a global need. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I've, I've been keeping up with, um, with you guys there and it's not the Facebook posts, the, the Instagram posts. I, I just recently saw where brother, Pastor um, Galindo and uh, Reverend Juan Nunez and Reverend William Guetta were with you guys. And you guys, it looked like we're going around and uh, ministering in different churches and bringing churches together, even having conferences. And and so when you say that you need laborers, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, there's so many places, opportunities that we can put churches and things like that. But we just need people that are willing to go and say yes to the call of God. And man, it's it's uh I think God purposely hides back details of the call <laughs> before it cuz because I think some people wouldn't say yes if God revealed everything. So some some point. some young person right now listening to this needs to start praying God <laughs> speak to my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My pastor um help me to uh uh, feel the call to go to Ensenada and, and be a laborer. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. We'll take you. We'll put you to work. There, there are things that we need help in and we'll take, we'll take whatever short term, long term, medium term, just come. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I, I'm definitely going to be praying that God would, God would help you, um, to develop laborers, if 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 no one will go, God will God will pick God will raise up a people. Um, here's here's a uh, I guess one of the last questions that I have for you today, and there's so much more that I would discuss with you, but for the sake of time, can we contribute to the work in Ensenada? What's a way that if someone were to say, "Hey, I want to I want to contribute, I want to be a blessing." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, beyond just financially, there's a lot of um, emotional, spiritual support. I mean, if if you guys can have us as prayer partners down praying for us, you know, follow us on social media, uh, be updated, keep us prayer wise. If you guys want to come visit us down, I'm down there, visit the work. We would love that. And for people that want to get, you know, we have several different ways you can give. Um, you can give either personally to um, the PayPal of our church. And um, I don't know how I, I don't even know the, the, the full thing, but if people want to, they can reach out to my father um, on Instagram, which is Rev underscore Rodriguez. So they can reach out to me. We can lead you to that. If you feel God is kind of leading you in that direction for support or monthly support, whatever it is. And all of it goes to the church. And, you know, there's a lot of need that goes beyond just our local church, just beyond what we're and- doing. Let, let me add this plug here. I know Brother Ben was not going to uh, advertise it himself, but Brother Ben has a small coffee business. He sells coffee beans. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, that's a new and, come up. It's hey, very soon. Listen, if you guys are planning on starting a coffee shop or maybe even just donating coffee to a friend, if you know a yeah. friend that loves coffee, 
hit up Ben Rodriguez on Instagram or Facebook. Get some coffee beans from this man. He's telling me these these are miracle coffee beans, healing coffee beans. These yeah. are be- coffee you beans. Are- <laughs> you will grow your hair. Got back do you, problems. Are, no, do you, is, you know is your hair disappearing on the back of the on the back of your forehead? Then these are the beans that you need to start purchasing. <laughs> yeah. We'll be releasing more details and there's gonna be a launch and everything. Uh, but really quality stuff and it's going to support missions as well but it's it's going to be what, more, what is it called what is called missio coffee roasters missio coffee roasters yeah and the is... benefit of, the goal of the coffee is not for you to wake up in the morning and to drink a bad cup of coffee and go mm, but i'm supporting missions no what, what we want what's going to happen is it's you're going to drink this cup of coffee and you're going to say wow this is incredible and i so happen to be supporting missions at the same Come time on. Come on now, hey, you know there there is a and and I'm gonna add another plug here. We're gonna have Brother Jermaine Irvin with us uh, in the following week. But we were talking about this the other day. Is it, just because it's an apostolic product doesn't mean it has to be terrible. Absolutely, man. That's that's been dr- driving me. Come because on, guys. We got to have quality product. You're gonna get me fired up, man. We got to have quality product. Just because we're apostolic doesn't mean it gotta be terrible. Come on, it, God don't like terrible. God don't like ugly. He, he likes excellence. <laughs> yes, sir. And and so uh, this, you're not gonna regret buying these coffee beans. Number one, if your church is starting a coffee shop, you need to invest. Yeah, and uh, and I'll send and- samples for those that are serious, whatever it is. Uh, but we'll but we'll give more details. Release the video. Um, so just stay tuned. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll maybe do a sponsorship with Joseph's podcast and be the sponsored copy of the podcast. Who knows? <laughs> well, hey, listen, thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time to be with us, um, for allowing God to use you, uh, allowing God um, to to make you an inspiration to us here in the United States. And we're going to definitely be praying for you, for your family there in Ensenada. Um, God has great things in store. Um, and and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's so many things that we can take away from this conversation. Um, and just to kind of reiterate, uh, if you're interested in missions, being a missionary, it doesn't begin at a conference somewhere. It begins seeking souls, not a pulpit. It begins teaching Bible studies. It begins um, submitting to the will of God. And, uh, and, and, and God will open the door in due time. You don't have to look for it. God, God will bring it to you. Well, thank you so much, Brother Ben, and may God bless you and keep you. Amen. Well, you can connect with Ben Rodriguez this March at the incredible dynamic conference Mission Posible in Memphis, Tennessee. You can follow at TVC Memphis on Instagram for more updates on dates and times of that conference. Brother Missionary Ben Rodriguez will be one of the speakers, so you don't want to miss that. Connect with him. Let him know how blessed you were to hear this podcast. I know that some of you, um, from this day forward, you, you will probably never be the same. At least that's my hope. That's my prayer that somehow, some way, this conversation has impacted your life. Also, I would like to say that 
the missionaries there to Ensenada are doing a great work and they need support. They need our support, not just through prayer, but financial support. So if you're a young person, you're looking uh, for a way to give, you can connect with these missionaries via Instagram, via social media, but talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor first. Let him know what you feel in your heart to do, and uh, and he'll get you connected for sure. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Like and share this. Stay tuned. Next week, we have some more content coming out. Uh, phone tag with E, our encouragement of the week. And then we're, we are going to have an exclusive interview with Jermaine Irvin of J. Irvin Clothier. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about... Uh, how to become, uh, how to create, and and leadership. So many things that he he brings to the table. His his ministry, his life, his experience, and I'm excited about that. So stay tuned. May God bless you and keep you. Amen. <laughs>